Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate hi this is ruben off his cheek i'm pat nevin i'm mason mount you're listening to the london is blue podcast all right chelsea fans welcome back to another episode of the london is blue podcast we are just about, actually the Premier League has started its season as we are recording right now. Liverpool currently beating Dirty Leeds. Nick is here. We are excited to talk about, though, our match that is coming up on Monday against the Gulls, against Brighton. And Nick, we, we had to bring in an expert because I think we will raise our hands. We are the first to say we are not an expert on Brighton. Is that correct? We are not a Brighton podcast, Dan. So that is correct. I would say uh, I would say that you know one of our goals this year is we're going to try and bring in more and different perspectives to help you know ourselves and then also everyone who's listening kind of understand our opponents a little bit better. So just want to welcome Liam from Albion Athletics or uh, Albion Analytics. Sorry, um, not Athletics. Uh, Albion Analytics to the show for the first time. First cap, Liam, how are we doing? Thank you very much for having me. Um, I think expert is, is probably over generous in terms of what I do. But yes, it's a pleasure to be um, on here, obviously. Didn't know if we were going to be a Premier League side back in sort of March. So it's a pleasure to be able to do some, some Premier League stuff again. Well, I'm glad that at least Chelsea was able to give the benefit of a point last season to help mm. in that crusade to stay up. You know, I think we are nothing but if not generous as a club. So that is something that we're excited to see. But this we episode, care. We really care. You know, uh, in, in this episode, we'll take a little look back at last season, some of the changes that have occurred for, for Brighton, a little bit of a new look Brighton in terms of players that have come or players that have left. Understand a little bit more about the ways that maybe Brighton is going to look to capitalize on what some of the weak points are in Chelsea's current setup, and then also go through a little bit of projected lineups and scoreline predictions because we know that we are terrible at it, yet we're going to keep on doing it because it's funny to mock later. So just looking at it last season, Nick, the two scorelines that we had were a win over Brighton at home versus a 2-0 and then a draw at the MX 1-1. What's your memory of those two matches against Brighton? Well, we, we have a special memory of the home match because we were there for that one. Um, and I and I must say, Liam, after after the home match, I thought that Brighton looked to be one of the, the worst sides I'd seen in the Premier League in, in some time. Um, it was just it was kind of an easy jog for Chelsea in that one. And then 
as as it happened for Chelsea, as we went into January time, everyone got hurt, and we went down to the Amex, and you guys pulled off a shocking uh, shocking draw with an overhead kick uh, from Yehambesh, I think, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it it was kind of an interesting uh, kind of home and away stretch. How did you feel about those? Um, obviously, as you said, the, the game in September, you, you quite comfortably sort of steamrolled us, um, which is interesting because I was I was there as well and felt like quite a wasted trip come come full time. Um, but I think that was one of sort of the the earlier Potter games where um, I wouldn't say we cast results aside per se, but um, it, it wasn't perhaps like an, a huge worry. We'd gone there under Hughton and um, uh, been there last season when we lost three 0 and stuff um, and on Boxing Day, so. You know, but we, we sort of rock up to Chelsea expecting our annual loss. Um, I think the, the point we got off you was our first um, in the Premier League when we got it in January. So, you know, we were, we were more pleased than anything to just not have a have a loss there, to be honest. Um, and as you say, yeah, it, was a, it was a lovely goal by Johan Bash, who is, is perhaps not hit the heights that we thought he might hear. Um, but, you know, I, I thought we really held our own against you um, and did, did the same really in pre-season. Um, I think it, it, was, it was last Saturday now, so that. I think for us, perhaps gives us a bit more confidence as, as we, we seem to be a side that um, you know we can be quite good at making a run last. In that respect, we've sort of done it to Arsenal um, across the Premier League and, and hopefully we can now build on that uh, again moving forward. One of my favourite memories of Brighton Brighton's uh, last season, the previous season, was Basuma rolling through and laughing at uh, every Arsenal player as they knocked him out mm-hmm. of a Champions League spot. Oh, man, just... Chef's kiss. Mwah. Yes, that was great fun at the Emirates that day. <laughs> so, Liam, obviously, you made the mention of the you know would Brighton actually end up being a Premier League side, and a little bit of that concern. What what's your takeaway, kind of from last season heading into this one? Where where are you at, just in terms of how you're feeling heading into this season about the squad that you have and what Potter is going to be able to execute on this season? Sure. Um... I think Potter would have benefited from from a full year in terms of having worked with this squad. Um, he's now been sort of able to cut out some of the players who, um, you know, he would have inherited from Hewton that he might not have wanted, to be fair. Uh, he kept sort of a large backbone from Hewton, which he started to get rid of a bit more now, but really sort of bleed through the sort of players he wants in terms of, you know, he's recruited the likes of Mapai and Webster um, and is now also looking to bring through some sort of youth players as well. Aaron Connolly, Stephen Alzate, two players who really started to feature last season, of course. Ben White has been um, you know, circulated a lot throughout the media in terms of his links to Leeds um, and other clubs. So um be interesting to see, you know, how much does he sort of stick with what he had last season. Um, from from more sort of a tactical perspective, um, sort of post-lockdown in those last nine games that we had, um, it's interesting to see sort of a slight tweak in our style of play, having been renowned for being quite possession heavy. We, you know, I think in eight of the games, we had less than half the ball. Um, sat back a lot more against teams, did it against Leicester quite well against Norwich and, and you know, um, got quite a few points. I think we took 12 points from our last nine games um, and gave Liverpool a really good game. I'm not sure if you guys watched that, but, um, you know, we really sort of pushed Liverpool at the Amex. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't go as far to say unfortunate to lose 3-1, but, you know, we, we could have quite easily on another day had we taken our chances and we came out with a point. So, um, be interesting to see if, you know, if, if he opts for um, sort of the possession approach that we saw last season. Um, which is something that we, us Brighton fans, still don't know uh, in, in preseason. The one name that you brought up there that I think is interesting, and another that you know, I think you mentioned actually in one of your articles talking about the season ahead. So Ben White coming back is he someone that you see kind of jumping into the defensive pairing? And then another one in Lalana coming off a free could be a really shrewd piece of business for the club. How are you feeling about some of the the incomings and the additions that have been made? I'm, I'm delighted to see you know the level of competition. Um, 
primarily and even more important than that, to be honest with you, um, to see our academy really start to produce some some quality players is really nice. They've had back to back third place finishes now in, in the Premier League two in the, in the top youth division um, when they got promoted in seventeen eighteen, and you know they've been exceptional to watch them play. So to see some of the players come through is also really nice. I think not just to have success um, from like a trophy perspective. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does with Ben White because he's featured heavily in preseason. Um, but then obviously Dan Byrne was someone last season who you know we were quite rightly heavily reliant on. Um, as someone who was a centre-back and sort of got shoehorned out to left-back, looked really good, put up some really good numbers in terms of sort of his ball progression. Um, and of course, being six foot seven offers us a, a great aerial threat from both set pieces where I think we were quite good last season. Um, and even from goal kicks, I think if you look at our sort of goal kick chart from last season, either the goal kicks were short into our centre-backs in the box, just like Chelsea do, or they were just sort of pinged out wide left and saying, you know, that Dan Burns there somewhere, we'll, we'll try and find him. So, um, ben White, yeah, I, I would expect to see him start purely because of, um, you know, the desire Potter's shown in his plans to keep him. Um, and as you say, with Lallana, um, you know, a, a free signing who obviously will, will cost a fair bit with his wages, um, but, you know, shows where we've actually developed as a club um, to be able to bring in someone of his quality. Um, not quite got, you know, the minutes in his legs in the past few seasons. So whether we can get a full season out of him, it's probably the biggest challenge, which is quite unique, I suppose, for most players. Um, but, you know, it's got someone who, you know, an England international, a seasoned Premier League player, um, it's probably got more benefits than, than sort of drawbacks. So, yeah, but both could be real quality players. So, you know, kind of hearing hearing that, Nick, you know, I think on the, the flip side, we, we've done a fair bit of business, <laughs> to, to be told. Um, you know, Liam, just from, you know, thinking about that, where you look at what Chelsea has done, because uh, you mentioned a little bit about like the youth academy and bringing players mm-hmm. through. That was like the Chelsea story of last season. The story of this season is apparently we've bought the Premier League, which, okay, Again. sure, whatever. <laughs> um, what's your take on on this Chelsea versus maybe the, the Chelsea you saw last season? Uh, obviously, we're going to be without a couple of players just due to mm-hmm. injury or kind of registration issues. But um, what's your take on what you're going to see this season versus last season? Um, last season, to be fair, I was delighted to see sort of all the youth players come through. Um, as something um, in individually that I'd looked into a bit more through through university and stuff. It, it was quite interesting to see um, with a lot of players coming from sort of the South London area um, and, and players who um, were genuine academy players as well in the sense that I, and some people might not realise, but when people say academy players, players can join at 13, 14 and be poached from clubs and, and you know, go through as academy graduates. But, you know, the likes of Abraham and Mount, I believe, have been there since they were sort of six and seven. So these yeah. are players who, before they'd, they'd kicked the ball for Chelsea senior side, you know, had a, over a decade at the club, which I think many people sort of don't realise when, when players break through. So I think from from your guys' perspective, that must have been nice to see, you know, sort of the fruition of that. Um, and again, Lampard has used, um, you know, the, the embargo being lifted. He's, he's sort of gone um, and re- really splashed the cash. But, um, you know, the, the sort of players that um, Chelsea have picked up, are, you know, some real quality players who very worried about us having to defend against and sort of the one saving grace that um, what we talked about on the pages, you know, potentially we might be playing you at the best time when you haven't had five, six months to jail. You haven't got uh, a lot of time with this squad to to get them uh, embedded. So maybe this is the, perhaps the best time to play. Obviously, Monday in time will tell. I could be completely wrong. We might get battered five of them anyway. Um, but this this could be the perfect time to play them. Um, as you say, you have a few players missing, but um, on, on balance, um, some some exceptional signings, some exceptional creators as well who not that Chelsea were in need of creators as far as I'm concerned but um, yeah and, and to think that you've then prevented perhaps the likes of Liverpool and other big sides from from strengthening 
um, it is even better for you guys, I suppose. Yeah, that's not the worst the worst part about it for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I think I think when you look at our our squad and how it's potentially shaping up this year, like there are still some outgoings that will happen um, over the next few weeks, but. All in all, there were pretty clearly identified areas of need um, as we entered into the season. Uh, it will be interesting, you know, of all the signings that we've made so far, I think Tiago Silva will be the most interesting to me to see mm-hmm. how he has an impact on the squad or, or not, depending on on if he can get up to speed in the Premier League. I, my, my money would be on that he figures it out and uh, could provide some stability and leadership that I think our back line desperately needs. Uh, so that's that's the one eventually when he gets involved, uh, you know, and I, I don't think that will be this week, by the way. Uh, so so you, you just missed out on him. Uh, but I think when he gets involved, it'll, it'll really solidify and uh, strengthen the team. So we will take one quick break before we go into maybe some of the specific areas where we expect Brighton to attack the weak points of the Chelsea apparatus. Uh, so stick around. We will be right back after this. All right, so blow for blow, there's a couple areas where I think Brighton have lined up really well defensively, Liam. And one of the things that you actually pointed out in a Twitter thread that you did around how you expect Brighton to kind of play, you know, with our fullbacks kind of being super attacking, kind of pressing forward, is that there could be potentially like a a back five from Potter to really also kind of just build into that open space and try to counter. Is that where you're anticipating that you're going to find or that Brighton's going to find that goodness versus Chelsea? I'd hope so. Um, I think that's obviously the... um, the, the main area we could perhaps have to target you in open play. Um, we've obviously got some real good pace and directness on the counter. Of course, we poached Tarek Lamptey from you guys, um, who's been you know an exceptional transition outlet to be able to you know either run onto three balls or run with the ball, uh, gain yards, draw a lot of fouls as well. Uh, reads the game really nicely in terms of um, you know where he picks up the ball and his, his rates of interceptions are, are really really good. Um, perhaps less on the left side with the likes of Solly March or, or whoever else might fill in there. Um, but, you know, we, we've got Alzate, Basuma, players who um, are really, really comfortable uh, as a result of sort of um, how they came through the academy and where they've gone out on loan and where we've brought them from, um, who are really comfortable at sort of running with the ball, taking players on. So I think um, that'll be the area where we have to sort of look to break you down and, and hopefully Mapai and Connolly can um, either be dropping in or sort of running behind and, and perhaps trying to create some confusion. You know for a fact that set pieces <laughs> were, were potentially an area of weakness for us last year. You kind of mentioned Dan Byrne, uh, Dunk, and, and some of your kind of bigger guys on the squad. Uh, how do you see how do you see Chelsea potentially uh, coping and or not coping with uh, what is a team full of giants that you have? Yes, that's probably our, our biggest threat. To be fair, and I think we've carried that over from. Championship days, from Houston days of, of being a good set piece side, and I, I think all the top sides are. To be fair, um, I think primarily Chelsea will look to just not give away set pieces. Perhaps try, um, you know, uh, avoid unnecessary fouls in, in transition. Um, a, a high possession approach would perhaps suggest, you know, if, if you give us less of the ball, we've just got less opportunities to generate corners. Um, and it'd be interesting to see sort of what setup he goes for. If he goes um, full zonal, man for man, perhaps a hybrid. Um, that, that's one of the big points where we say, okay, we've seen Ben White in, in preseason, but um, you know, someone like Dan Byrne is going to cause a headache for absolutely whoever marks him. Um, and you know, could quite easily take two players out if, if Chelsea choose to double up. So I think set pieces would be where, where we really look to try and, and hurt Chelsea. Um, whether we can do that, obviously, is a different story, but 
Uh, I do recall last season at the bridge, I think our best chance of the game came from a, from a pass or gross corner. I think Adam Webster hit the top of the bar. And of course, Alarezi Hambash's goal, um, as great a finish as it was, came from a corner. Dunk headed it back across goal. So it, it's definitely there to, to be exploited. Um, we just need to have the ball first to, to generate those, those opportunities. So is that where you see, or I guess maybe not to lead you, but where would you see if this game doesn't go the way that you're anticipating, if you don't get the result you're looking for, what will Chelsea have done right to prevent Brighton from getting the result? Um, I think just a, a good defensive shape, first and foremost. Um, we've struggled to break sides down, um, which is just, you know, through how sort of embryonic our, our team has been in terms of being a, a possession approach, um, in terms of working final balls. And, and we started to develop, but, um, you know, teams, when they sit back and have a good defensive shape, are really tough to break down. Um, I'd expect to see, and I, I know that numbers-wise, Chelsea's, you know, counter-attack output wasn't, massive um, in terms of sort of the, the quality of shots generated but when you look at some of those players on paper um, that, that could run at us and could do damage or even could be you know picking apart the defence so for, for us to you know avoid possession losses and avoid them in dangerous areas particularly when playing out I wouldn't be surprised to see um, you know Potter have Ryan go direct from his goal kicks to maybe skip out playing short um, you know we want to try and avoid losing the ball in advanced areas and I think particularly as well as, as the preseason game showed and um, one game we had under Hewton where we, I think we lost 4-0 it was, um, uh, avoid conceding early because to, to play catch-up in you know in the Premier League is hard enough on its own, let alone when you're trying to break down a, a side as good as Chelsea. So let's kind of jump in then to likely 11s. So if you're kind of putting together Potter's team for tomorrow, Liam, who makes your starting 11 for for the goals? Okay, that's a very difficult question, um, but I'll try and give him my, my best shot. Of course, Matt Ryan will, will take the number one shot. Um, I'd expect to see him field Solly March out as sort, sort of a wing-back, um, as he's done so through um, through preseason, which I think, to be fair, makes a lot of sense. He's a, he's a good balanced winner, um, sort of more converted wing-back, but um, might be the right sort of player to sort of defend against good wide opposition. Um, I, I'd perhaps look more towards Burn in a, in a back three with Duncan Webster. Um, but I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised to see Ben White out there. I'm sure could hold his own. Um, I'm purely just trying to think of, you know, potential ways we could unlock Chelsea and the air and outlet that Dan Byrne offers you. Um, we'd definitely go with Tarek Lamptey at right wing back, um, even for just, you know, the sheer thing of having a point to prove against a former club. Not that I think he'd have a bad word to say about Chelsea, but, um, you know, it always seems to happen of players playing against their former club. Um, and in the middle of the part, we've unfortunately got Davey Proper, who's injured. I believe he's got an Achilles problem. He hasn't featured for, for his national team, Holland, recently. Um, but that could, again, could be anyone of Lallana could feature. Um, possibly Dale Stevens, Stephen Azate, Yves Basuma, who the latter of those, Yves Basuma, was uh, incredibly good for us sort of in the last nine games. Um, so, yeah, we, we'd be quite content with seeing sort of Stevens, Basuma, um, pivot in the middle. But again, if Lallana um, features in that, we'd have no complaints. Um, and then in front of that, we'd like to see one of the, the main creators in, Gross, Trossard or, or McAllister. Um, whether he chooses to sort of as he did against Arsenal, where we played Trussell up top to try and have him sort of man marking the uh, sort of the main playmaker when we haven't got the ball, he might well do. But I'd quite like to see him go for sort of Mapai and Connolly, um, you, you know, and maybe, maybe try a pressing approach, uh, maybe go sort of two up top and say, well, we'll try and press a bit. So what, your formation is essentially a three, four, one, two? Is that right? In effect, yeah, yeah, pretty much with looking at sort of a gross Trossard or McAllister sort of just in behind the two forwards um, and that pivot in midfield, yeah. So in that lineup that you've put together, if there's one player that is going to keep Frank Lampard, Jody Morris, John Edwards all up at night, just strategizing on how they're going to figure out the way to neutralize them, 
which is the player that you think is going to give them the night terrors? Um, maybe less so the management team, maybe more so the back line. And it's not surprise you, but I definitely say Aaron Connolly. Um, he, he's a small player. He's about five foot eight, five foot nine, um, but draws fouls at an incredibly high rate, um, particularly in advanced locations. A very good runner behind who, uh, when you watch him play, he just hassles defenders. That there might be a you know an overhit ball into the channel, but he will chase it. You know, he just will make life awkward. Um, and that sort of thing, I think, is just, just an added thing for defenders to deal with. Um, and especially, you know, with us expecting to have less of the ball, um, he could be a sort of a primary outlet for if, if we are, you know, just have to get rid of that that pressure that's on us and, and play long. Um, he, he might be that thing of, you know, can you force a mistake? Can you do something? So I, I think Aaron Connolly um, could be really important, especially in terms of drawing fouls, just to try and, you know, create some set-piece situations. Well, we will return the favor and share our lineups as well. And I know, Nick, you're excited because I think you you claim that you got the most correct last season, I'm pretty sure. I feel like you are wearing a crown that maybe you don't deserve or a belt that you didn't earn. Okay, okay. But we'll let you jump in and give the lineup first so that way no one can say that we you you stole that or we stole ours from you. We we just don't want that this year. Look, first of all, uh, thank you for acknowledging my greatness. Uh, I am not good at preseason predictions, but better only just slightly at lineup predictions. So... I'm going with a 4-3-3. I think that will be what Lampard tries to play most frequently this year unless we have a crazy injury or or he wants to bring in a lot of width to the team. So I think 4-3-3 will be our base formation. I think you're going to have Keppa in the sticks. Uh, obviously, Mendy has not been confirmed yet, and my guess is that Keppa will play the first three or four matches <clears throat> this season. So uh, however you feel about that, I think that's how it's going to be. I was very tempted to put Willie in there. <laughs> Just, just to, just to do my thing, but uh, I don't think that will happen. Uh, Reese James, the return of Fakayo Tamori to center back, which I am very excited about. Rumors that he wants to stay and fight for his place, and uh, next to him uh, is going to be the you know m- make the best uh, center back crane that we currently have at the team or in the team, and that is Kurt Zuma. So we'll have. Reese James, Tamori, Zuma, Azpi at left back. Uh, obviously, Chilwell's not ready yet, and I think we'll do a little bit more solidity defensively with Azpi. N'Golo Kante in the middle of the park, just uh, wrecking shop. That's what he does. Uh, Mason Mount playing as an eight. Kai Havertz inserted into my team straight away. Even though I had doubts that this might happen, it seems like he's training really well and everyone's uh, very excited about him. So that's our midfield three of Conte, Mount, and Havertz. And then Timo Werner coming off the left. Olivier Giroud out of nowhere. RKO out of nowhere from Olivier Giroud starting in this team. And Callum Hudson-Odoi on the right. Uh, I do not believe Pulisic uh, will start this match. And, you know, not having Mount as a winger option since he's in midfield, I kind of slotted in Cal. I appreciate your fairy tale narrative of a starting 11 there. And, I did it. Uh, I will try to bring you back to reality with a, a more realistic 11 for Chelsea in this match. Uh, and then uh, I think maybe we can get Liam to weigh in on uh, which he, maybe he's more afraid of as a, as a lineup. Hmm. Um, I went with Keppa as well. I think, you know, just with the, a new incoming keeper, there's going to be competition really between Keppa and most likely Mendy here. So it's not going to make a lot of sense to put Caballero in goal. Who's going to really move to be the, the third choice keeper. I do agree that James uh, Zuma and 
I think there's a little bit of a, a rational confidence in this pick and having Tomori in the back line just because he has not kicked a ball for a really, really long time. But I think you also need to think about if you are going to put him on loan, you need him in the shop window just a touch. Um, so I think this is a good opportunity for him to maybe make his uh, deb- debutante debut again. You have Azpilicueta, I think, filling out in that left back spot to secure mm-hmm. our back four. I, I agree on your Conte and your Mount. Where I disagree is I actually have Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who still knocking off the rust, still kind of getting back into a starting position. I think if the rumors are that Barkley is going to be looking to go, we don't have Kovacic. Uh, Georgina has been out of favor for quite some time. Loftus-Cheek then makes the most sense from a midfield combination. And then I actually think Pulisic looks super fit from the what we've seen from training so far. A lot of good rumors coming out that he is ready to go to start the season. I think that means that Werner is going to play centrally. And I think Havertz, as we talked to Matt Law last week, potentially the right wing. And that gives me a lineup that I am super excited to see and would definitely pay some dividends in my FPL team as well. So that would all work, work really well for me. Uh, I'll give Nick the quick reaction to my lineup so that he can slate it. And then then we'll go to you, Liam, to give your thoughts. I, I you know, I, I'm rooting for Ruben a ton. I really want him to play. I, I really, I hope, I actually hope your lineup is right. I think my lineup's right, but I hope your lineup's right. I think that will be more fun than my lineup. Um, I, the only, the only thing I struggle with is I think because Kovacic is hurt in midfield because Rubens, maybe not full strength and you have Mason Mount, I, I had a, a stronger midfield with Mount actually as a winger in my initial lineup this week, and then kind of injuries kind of shaken the tree a little bit. I, I'm i kind of interested to see what happens there, especially because Ziyech would have been, you know, kind of locked on right winger, right? So anyway, uh, Liam, what do you think about the two? Which one are you more scared of? Um, firstly, I'm, I'm delighted to, to see Fikar Tamori doing well. Um, as, you know, we, we had the pleasure of having him online at Brighton for a short period of time in our promotion mm-hmm. season. Um, and, you know, even in the sort of 10 games he played for us, um, had the hallmarks of a player who was clearly going to go on and, and be very good. Uh, I think he won the, the England, um, was part of the England side that won the under-17 World Cup. Um, to be honest with you, it, it's hard to separate because both teams scare me. It's a case of, you know, where do I want the most dangerous players to um, to be? So maybe the thought of Kai Havertz out on the wing might be slightly better than centrally. Um, a, a sort of a slight um, breaker between the two. Um, but then again, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd hate for us to face Ruben off the streak again, not because I think he's overly good, just with his ex-Palace um, connections and, you know, scored a very good goal against us two seasons ago. Um, would, you know, can't stand for the abuse from Palace fans on Twitter when he inevitably scores against <laughs> us again. Um, so I, I think I'll take the one that's, you know, got no off the streak in there. Um, just, just so we can avoid that. Well, we, we need to make sure that your Twitter mentions are not uh, bombarded after this match mm. with angry Palace fans who uh, want to relive that one moment in time. All right, well, we are getting close to ending this episode. We're getting close to the match kicking off for us, which will be the start of uh, hopefully another wonderful Premier League season for uh, for both our sides. Um but we'll get down to some score predictions here. Uh, our one Brandon Busby, who is not on the episode today, he is out doing something in areas in the world where you actually can go outside right now as I look into a smoke-filled Seattle. Um, Brandon predicted a Chelsea victory of 3-1. I also predicted a Chelsea victory of 3-1. Nick, what did you predict? 
a 2-1 victory. Okay. And then, uh, Liam, what's your prediction for the uh, the scoreline and the result? I'll, I'll be optimistic. I'll go for a, for a hat-trick of one-alls, um, as we've, you know, one all in the past two games. So I'll, I'll go go for a one-all, um, hopefully a set-piece goal. All right, well, Pascal Gross then will be the uh, the MVP then, or the, uh, the man mm. of the match, if that's going to be the case. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, all right. Well, hey, you can find Liam and his phenomenal work on uh, Albion Analytics. They also have a podcast, Expected Goals, which, again, is a phenomenal name. We love puns. They are near and dear to our heart. So, Liam, we really appreciate it. Uh, we wish you the best of luck uh, in 36 out of your 38 matches this season. Mm-hmm. And, Thank you so uh, much. Likewise. <laughs> hope- yeah. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, again, we'll retweet and we'll kind of make sure that people know where to find you. Nick, any last words before we leave? Nope. Just shout shout Milwaukee Blues for this beautiful. Look at this thing. Whoa. Uh, for those who are listening, because it is also an audio Ooh. podcast, it is a hat no. with a lion who is pouring a pint or pulling a pint rather. Pulling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Come pulling on. A pint. All right, well, that is it. Match day is nearly upon us. Game week one is underway right now, about to start for Chelsea. Get to your pubs if you can safely. If not, jump in our Patreon, jump in our Discord, chat with us online, DMs, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, email, carrier pigeons, whatever it is. Get in Literal touch smoke Love screen in, in <laughs> Seattle. Screen. Uh, anyway, uh, we hopefully will come back to you after win. If not, we'll still be there anyway. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep a blue flag flying high. Thank you